Ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. We're doing a, uh, I'm Dusty Slay, I'm your host, and I'm uh, here with my wife and co-host, Hannah Slay. Good to be here, Dusty. It seems weird to call you Hannah Slay. I've called you Hannah Hogan for the entire time we've known each other. I'm going to be honest, I think Hannah Hogan has a little bit better of a ring to it. I think it does too. I think you should stay Hannah Hogan on the podcast. (laughs) Even though you're Hannah Slay legally. It's your stage name. Okay. I think that's what we should it's do. It's the last vestige of my entertaining part of my personality. It is. It is. Well, but you, but I, I do think it has a, a bit of a ring. I think they call it an alliteration where it's HH. Yeah. It's got a ring to it. Yeah. Hannah Slay is a, is a, a beautiful name. Thank you. Doesn't have the same ring to it. No, maybe because it's new. But I needed like a. F- I would need like a fun first name, like how your name's like Dusty. I'd need to be like Diamond Slay or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I'd go with Diamond, <laughs> but I see where you're. I see where you're rolling yeah. with it. You know, um, I like that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we've been putting out some podcast clips on YouTube. I don't know how many of our listeners look at the YouTube, but we've been putting out some podcast clips on there. Not a ton, but we, we've been doing more than we have in the past. And some people will ask why we don't put the full video up there. And the reality is, uh, for me, it's because I uh, it's because of the Bible talk is why I don't put the full thing out there, because... I like doing Bible talk. I like it a lot. And I like, I liked, even though the podcast actually has quite a few listeners now, uh, it still feels like it's like a little club to me where we get together, we have a Bible discussion sometimes. But man, once things get on YouTube, it gets wild. It's like, I, you know, the full video is out on Nateland, and I, you know, I can say one little thing that may be a little edgy or a little religious, and, you know, it, it you know, a couple of people will comment in a way that, uh, you know, I'm not equipped to handle. I'd like to think I'm strong enough to handle these comments, and I am strong enough to handle them, but just like this week's podcast, I talked about uh, the CMAs because Nate presented an award on CMAs, and I watched some of it, and I saw a Joe Diffie tribute, and it was Morgan Wallen and uh, Hardy and Post Malone singing a couple of Joe Diffie songs. I didn't like it. I thought it was a poor tribute. Does that mean I hate Morgan Wallen and I hate Hardy and I hate Post Malone? No, absolutely not. I just don't like it when they did that tribute to Joe Diffie. Now, also that being said, Joe Diffie is not my most favorite country singer. I like him. He's got a handful of songs I like. But it is 90s country, and it's a real vibe that we've completely lost in country music today. That vibe is gone. There'll be a a singer here and there that'll have like a little bit of that vibe, but for the most part, mainstream country music has completely lost the 90s vibe. Now, as Hannah has pointed out to me today, just in conversation, you know, it's possibly making me sound like an old fogey old fogey just complaining about the youth's uh music and that's possible that is possible but i just think it's not even country anymore it's like morgan wallen like it's like i want to like him right and I, i go and listen to some of his songs me and hannah were riding not long ago and put on his music and we listened to a bunch of them and i'm just like maybe there's something i'm missing and i just I just don't like it. I'm not saying it's bad, but I don't like it. Well, you you you've never really been a fan of pop music, and I think no. Morgan Wallen from the three seconds that I've listened to his music is pop. I mean, he's pop country. We gave it a good listen one day when we were driving around. We actually listened to quite a few songs. I mean, I don't like country music. Yeah. Period. So. You know, I don't yeah, like well, Joe Diffie offensive. in the 90s and I don't like the, 
you know, iteration that they performed at the CMAs. I don't like country. Yeah. But also you don't think I like music, period. So, But it's like what mainly, and, and this is getting to a point of the comment. Okay. But mainly what I didn't like about the performance is like, because what I did was I came home and I showed Hannah. I gave Hannah and I wanted to be fair. I didn't want to judge Morgan Wallen and Hardy in their live show versus a Joe Diffie studio album. So I showed some Joe Diffie live and I'll admit Joe Diffie in the studio, much better than the Joe Diffie lives that I found. So maybe there's something to it, but you know, when you watch Joe Diffie was at one time he was sitting there with like Waylon Jennings and Travis Tritt singing, uh, you know, John Deere green and I'm like, they're all sitting there with guitars and they look very country. And then the others were Joe Diffie standing there with the guitar in his hand. Now, Morgan Wallen and, and Hardy, I mean, they bounce around on stage like a rap, like, like you would see at a rap concert where it's like, and that's, you know, that's okay at a rap concert. That's okay at a rock show. But I just feel like country we stand there with guitars. But Dusty, can country music not evolve? I don't think so. Not like that. Um, you, you're not. You're Why not, can't country musicians bounce around? Well, I just it's just it's just not country to me. Yeah, you're right. You know. Yeah. That, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. And it's just like I just think, but but it's not to say that it can't, right? If that's the direction it goes, that's the direction it goes. But if you're going to do a tribute to an older country singer that didn't do that, uh, I would say, um, you know, do play like they play. At least Post Malone is, and I didn't really like his part either, but at least he came out and he was dressed old school country. He had boots. He had uh, kind of tight jeans. Uh, I thought he looked weird, but he was like, he was dressing the part. And um, so I just didn't like it. And so I'm reading the comments and almost every comment sides with me. Almost every one. And then I see some little comment about something I said about uh, nature and the government protecting the environment and I couldn't handle it. So I'm like, I read all the, I was worried that people were gonna come at me about the country music thing and I was like, oh, here's a good comment. Here's a good comment. Here's a good comment. Here's a good comment. One negative comment. I'm like, oh, jeez, You know, so that's why when I go to putting the Bible talk on mainstream, I know what everyone's going to say. I know everyone's arguments. Everyone's arguments are not good. They're weak. It's the same old arguments. And I, can, I just am not ready for it. So... Yeah, I mean, the irony is, is like your comedy is sort of like the everyman, the blue collar guy, but Dusty on a podcast gets niche quick. Well, that's why I think that our podcast, it is a, it is like a special thing for me where it's like, if you come here, I don't push it on people. It's not even really out there. If you find it, you're here. I'll tell people about it, but I'm not out here pushing it hard. And it's like, if you found it, you're here. Because you want to be here and you'll hear the Bible talk. But I just feel like putting it out on YouTube puts it to a new level. And I feel like, I don't know. So I like to put out the fun clips. I'm not ready to put the full video out. Yeah, I'm not ready for that either. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I um, But I feel great. Uh, life's good. I went to, uh, last week, I went to Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, to well carry North Carolina to the Raleigh Improv where we've been many times I think I've headlined that club the most of any headliner and I've been going every year sometimes I think I was there twice this year yeah it seems like you're there like a lot I was there twice this year technically because I did the New Year's show so I rang in the new year okay so I was there at midnight on January 1st. I feel like I was there with you like a couple weeks ago. Now we were there in 20, early 2021. Okay. I had just gotten over COVID. Yeah. And we had, and you had, and you and Daisy had just gotten over COVID. Yeah. Gotten over. <laughs> in quotation marks. Yeah. And we drove to Raleigh. Yeah. Which is a pretty good drive. Now I realize that Nashville actually has a direct flight with American Airlines from Nashville to Raleigh. And it's amazing. I mean, it's such a quick trip. 
and we drove we drove it and you know we probably talked about this on the podcast already i imagine but i don't know maybe you weren't on the podcast yet yeah i was i was still on my sabbatical yeah but we we drove we drove there with daisy in the car i think it was a pretty decent drive we cut the drive in half and you know we stayed in Asheville one night mm-hmm. and then um then we drove on the next day and then we got to the club i did my first show and then Daisy would not sleep at all that night. It was just a wild night. So we're at, you know, me and Hannah are at each other's throats because we got no sleep. And then, uh, you know, and Daisy's just as sweet as she can be, but she just could not sleep. She was seven months old. Yeah. And and like got over COVID. We all had coughs still. I didn't have a cough. I had a cough. I was not, I want to make it clear. I was not sick. And no, you were, cause you got it before us. Yeah, we, and I we, don't think they were sick yet. We had that post-COVID cough. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, and then I would come in like on Friday. I'd do two shows. I'd come in about midnight. I'd sneak in. I'd be all amped up from the show still, but I would lay in the bed, and it felt like about the moment I started to doze off, Daisy would wake up. And we would, there was some, one early morning, I got up at like four or five and just put Daisy in the car and just drove all around Uh. Raleigh with her, trying to get her to sleep. And then we, uh, and then we had, there was a Sunday show. And when the Sunday show was over, we got in the car and just started our way home. I'm remembering this, Dusty, it got so bad that we were there on, like we got there like on a Thursday and on Friday, you were like, you and Daisy just get on a plane and go home. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was so bad. You're like, just get on a plane and leave. <laughs> and I I wasn't just, I mean, it's like Hannah was mad too. It wasn't just me being like, get out of here. It was like. Look, it was like, we were like in this kind of like hell zone. Yeah. I mean, it was rough. And so we drove so far uh, on the way out. I mean, it was like two or three o'clock and we, we ended up stopping at someplace I forget, but you know, Brian Bates family has a, they had like a summer home or like a, um, what do you call those? A timeshare in whatever town we stopped in. And uh, I just remember him talking about it later, but I remember we stopped in that town. We just were in a hotel for just a few hours and Daisy surprisingly got some sleep in that hotel. We all got a little sleep. And it was nice, but that was a really rough trip. Yeah. Uh, and we tried it once more a few months later. Maybe, I don't know, maybe even well, a Well, that was our first trip with Daisy, like, ever. Yeah. And we didn't even bring a crib. No. That was the problem. Like, she's sleeping on, I don't even know what she was sleeping we on. We tried to make some kind of pallet in the floor <laughs> in between the two beds. It's just ridiculous. It was ridiculous. They were so stupid. I feel like it's classic. Uh, uh, First time parent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what we were I, thinking. Like, oh, she'll just sleep on a pillow. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? No. I know. It was yeah, it was poorly planned. Oh yeah. But we tried it again in Greenville, South Carolina, probably a year later or something, and my, maybe not even 6 months later. And I'd called ahead to the hotel and I was like, "Hey, I see here your hotel, you have two bedroom hotels and then you have one bedroom hotel." And I said, "Someone else has made this reservation for me. I just want to m- see which hotel they've booked for us do we have the two bedroom or do we have the one bedroom and it was clear the person was not really understanding what i was talking about but eventually they go oh you got the two bedroom one and i go okay are you sure because i don't want to show up there and not have the two bedroom and they were like yeah you got the two bedroom so we drive there not two beds bro two rooms yeah well i made that clear and then we get there and it was the one bedroom. And I was like, oh no, I talked to somebody on the phone and they go, but they were like, hey, we don't have any two bedrooms. They're all booked up. So we were right back in that situation again. And it was about the same. It was less hellish, um, but it was pretty crappy. Yeah, because Daisy was a little older by then. Yeah. And then we were also... 
Uh, not that you couldn't walk around in Raleigh, but Raleigh was a little cold when we were there. It was cold, and it was in one of those fake towns. But wh- what was this town? Greenville. In Greenville. We were downtown. Yeah, yeah it was the summer. It was September. It was a beautiful little festival going on. So and, I was Greenville, hot. South Carolina, has a really nice downtown. I just was like at night when you go do your shows. The, I just had to turn off the lights in our room, and just like go on my phone underneath the covers. Yeah. And, but then in the day I made you like, let me go out by myself Yeah, (laughs) just to escape it. Yeah. So we try to not travel a lot together because it's like, we always have the best intentions, but then it just turns super stressful. And then I have to go do shows at night. I mean, it occurred to me today that I, I'm like, you know what? Most families probably don't even do what we do. Most families probably, you know, don't haul off to like a cabin and sleep over at that cabin and go on long trips with their kids. Most families probably don't go to like extended families houses and stay overnight a lot. Like I know some families do, but maybe it's rare. Like we do that all the time. We haul our kids a lot, you know, and it's unnatural. It's unnatural. Yeah, I think so too. But I, I don't mind. I don't. I, we don't well, go. This stay is at, our life. This is how we're. This is how we're yeah. living. We don't have a choice. So I'm not bemoaning it or complaining. I just think like it's tough to, to lug kids around and keep them in cars for extended periods and expect them to sleep and adjust to new environments that they're not used to. Yeah, I mean Daisy is so great about sleeping in her own crib. She loves it, and she does good at the cabin too. But uh, she loves going home though. Yeah. She does. Like the other day we were at the cabin and we went like we go to this dumpster and we dump our trash after we leave. And then we went back and I have a lock on the gate now. And I wanted to I left. We have like a combination lock uh, where we hide a key and I, I I left it on the the actual number to open it. So I wanted to go back and fix it. And we pulled up to the gate and she was not having it. She's like, I don't want to go back to the cabin. And we had a great trip. It was really fun. But yeah. she thought we were going back. Yeah. She, we're like, no, 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 no. We're just checking on something. But I do. We are going out there um, soon. And we are going. I got a guy coming out. And we're going to look at building some swales. I talked um, a little bit on Nate Land about this guy called the Weedy Garden Guy. Uh, but he's from Australia and I've been watching his videos all through COVID. I really got into gardening and I got into this guy through COVID and, um, he just makes such great gardening videos because they're not how to videos. They're just like, he's like, this is what I'm doing. And I'm just recording my journey. He said, I'm going to try to show you how to do things, but he's like, I don't even know if I'm doing it right. And he's, and he's saying all this in an Australian accent and it's amazing. And, um, So he talks about like if you have any kind of hill on your land, you can build these swales to plant trees and and it just to sustain sustain uh, nature and you build kind of this food forest. And the food forest has been my ultimate goal with the land since the beginning. It's just been a bit of a slow go. So you have been on and on about food forest for the last couple of years. So I think that I'm, I got a guy coming out. We're going to go take a look at it. And he's got, he said he's got some experience with some swales and, uh, we're gonna, we're going to get some built and we're going to make it happen. And I'm real pumped about it. It's called the weedy garden channel. If you want to check that guy out, uh, super fun. I think my mom's going to come out and meet us. We're just going to have a nice, nice time with grandma out there. And, um, and it's going to be great. And but but all that to say, this time in Raleigh, I had you know, a hotel to myself. It was quiet. It's lonely, but it's quiet. You actually told me today that hotels suck the soul out of you. Uh, they drain the life force out of me. The life force. Yeah, I mean, I've been telling you that for a long time. I yeah, mean, but when you said it today, it was, I don't know. Yeah, it's jarring. like it is uh, just. You know, it is nice to get a, get some time, but it's like, it's just a, a uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just a, it's a stale, 
Yeah, it's a lifeless room. You're just in this lifeless room where people don't live in, people just stay in. Mm -hmm. And you're just in there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when I'm on the road and I'm doing shows, I have a hard time doing things because I'm like, I, I, you know, it's like, at night, especially when it's two shows, I have two hours of comedy that I have to do. And I want those two hours to be the best. So I, I, I don't want to go running around town, seeing stuff, doing things. And my diet is so that it's like, I can't eat anything. It's not fun for me to go out and try to eat things. And I don't mean I'm on a diet to lose weight. I mean, I'm just trying to live out here. So uh, it's not fun for me to go out to eat places. Uh, now I've given up cigars. Uh, so I'm just like, now I'm working out. But I can just, a lot of these hotels have good enough gyms where I can just work out in the hotel gym. Saturdays are usually pretty good now because I can watch a little college football, but that's coming to an end soon. So, yeah, it's just uh, hotels are just life draining. Even nice ones, it's just like. But I would just think like since you're so busy at home and kids are crying that you finally get some like time where no one's pulling at your legs. Well, Yeah. And one day like that is nice. It's two days where you're like, well, that, now you miss everyone. Yeah. It's like, I don't, you know, it's like our, our daughter now asks us, she goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> she does that all the time. Yeah. What you doing, dad? Yeah. Yeah. What and, you doing, mom? And I like it. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then this weekend really great. I have two theater shows. I'm getting into the more theater shows. My tour has announced for next year. Uh, a bit of a interesting video that they put together for me because they really are only announced. It's like a pre-sale announce video. So it's starting with the March date. So it's like March, um, April, May, June, and then it's just the first half of the year. But it doesn't list January and February because uh, those dates are already on sale. So I do have a full calendar, and then I just had dates get added after the tour release came. So if you if you if you're wondering if I may be coming to your town, do check my website dustyslade.com. But it's uh, but yeah, I'm doing a bunch of theaters next year, so it's very exciting, and I'm um, I'm doing uh, this weekend. I'm doing Chattanooga the Walker Theater, and then Saturday I'm doing Bowling Green, Kentucky at the Sky Pack. Now, Chattanooga, I think, is sold out. I think there are some tickets available like single seats. Uh, I don't think there's any seats left if you want to sit with the person you're going with. But in Bowling Green, there's quite a few tickets left, but it is quite a bit bigger of a, I think it's double the size and I've been, over the years, built up an audience in Chattanooga. I've been going there for years and years. I've never done comedy in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So, But I'm excited about both. They're going to be great shows. Come no on out. What. Yeah, they're going to be great shows. I got a joke I've been doing about my sister um, and uh, smoking cigarettes and uh, when she was pregnant. And uh, she'll be there. Hearing it for the first time? Yeah. You know, I will say I, that I've been doing that joke about her and it is true, but um, it's not entirely fair to my sister. I mean, not that any, not that it's excusable ever, but she got pregnant when she was 19, which is not, you know, the youngest. I mean, we are from a trailer park in Alabama. It's like, in some ways it's like, that's pretty old, you know, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, she was a kid and she was just, you know, um, you know, not that again, you should still give it up, but it's like, you know, this is a different time. Yeah. I mean, only snobs don't smoke when they're pregnant. Yeah. I mean, in the real world, <laughs> people be smoking when yeah. they're pregnant. Okay. Well, this, this was like uh, a little over 30 years ago and no internet. Like it just, you just bored. You got to smoke cigarettes during yeah. gestation. I get it. I drank a little bit of a beer by accident when I was pregnant with oh, Sam. Oh gosh, that was a that was a nightmare. That was a nightmare. Hannah goes into the kitchen. Hannah likes to do like late night eating. She wakes up and she'll go eat stuff. She'll be in the bed eating chips. 
I wake up and I'm like, what's going on here? And she's just crunching chips. And, uh, yeah, she went in and like, she thought it was like, she was into these, uh, LaCroix for a while and she cracked it. She thought she cracked open a little croy, but it was a beer. I don't even know why we have, we buy beer sometimes because we think people are going to come over and drink it and then it just sits there forever. But, um, yeah, she just had like a few sips and like, ooh. But I chugged it though. I was like, I'm like this really tastes like crap. And then I realized, <laughs> oh my God, it's a beer. And then the anxiety just kicked oh, right yeah. in. She so came I, right I, in, waking me up. I, I was like, get back in bed. <laughs> I had to ask you though. I was like, is this going to hurt the baby? And then you're like, nah, everyone in my family drank when they were pregnant. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's true, but you it did it, say something like that. Yeah. I said probably. And it's like some people I think I think you can have like a glass of wine a night or something when you're pregnant. I saw one girl on Facebook. <laughs> this is not parenting advice. Yeah, I don't we're know. not doctors. Yeah. Um I saw one girl on Facebook before I had kids when she was like nine months pregnant and she was low in iron and she was asking the internet if she could have a Guinness. And some people were saying she could. Yeah, as if there's not other ways to get iron. I know. She's like, listen, guys, I really need iron, and I can't eat meat, but uh, you think I can have a Guinness? Yeah. What about with a, what is the, what's the Irish car bomb? That's where you would do a shot of something and drop it into a, a glass of Guinness. Do you ever do that? No. Those Probably. Were, those were great. You never did that where it's like Kahlua yeah, I mean, or I've something done some, I've done and you drop like it into the Guinness and then chug it. Yeah, but I just can never remember like what what was what and that and that, you know, I just don't ever you remember. You lived what in they Ireland. They didn't do the Irish car bomb in Ireland. Yeah, but that was, I lived in Ireland 20 years ago. What about Jaeger bombs? Did you do those? Yeah. Well, how would you do the Jaeger bomb? Well, like I said, I don't really remember all the liquids. Because like, I don't know, it was like a Red Bull or something involved. Yeah, Jaeger and, and Red Bull. But like when I lived in Charleston, uh, we would always do, it would be in the shot glass, Jaeger and Red Bull mixed in the shot glass. And then you just do a shot of that. We would we, we would take a like a pint glass, yeah. right? And then you would put the shot glass in the pint glass. Yeah. Weirdly. See, I did that one time yeah. and I thought, oh, that's too much. I don't need that much Red Bull. Because, it also just splashes all over your face. And yeah. Stuff. I wouldn't do just one shot. I guess if you're just the kind of person, you're a responsible shot taker. You just do one Jaeger bomb. But yeah. we would do lots of Jaeger bombs. Charleston had a really weird thing. When I first moved there, Charleston... uh could only serve out of many bottles. Like you would go to the bar and behind them, instead of being full bottles, it was all mini bottles. So you could, you, you know, that's how you bought liquor. Um, and it changed eventually. But so we would have this thing where you would go like one shot, two ways, because if you bought a shot, that shot was a full mini bottle. So we, you could go like one shot, two ways where you would buy one mini bottle and they would split it between two shots, okay. you know? So you would do like a Jaeger bomb two ways. So that way you're only paying for one, you know, you could do two, three ways or three, four ways. It was a way to conserve a little money. And, uh, yeah, it was super weird. That's real Southern. Yeah. That's like real Southern to me. Like that's bonkers. When I moved there, you could, you could still smoke cigarettes inside most every bar. You could, uh, there was only many bottles and you weren't allowed to get tattoos in Charleston. Yeah. And everybody had to wear khakis probably too. Well, you didn't have to, but you felt like you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I got into khakis. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I was in high school. I was wearing a lot of skull t-shirts and a lot of kind of tie-dye and flannels and stuff like that. And then uh, I moved to Charleston, and I, I really got into the khaki look, the flip-flops. Yeah, you got beachy quick. Yeah, you get. I mean, it's just like, it's the vibe there. Yeah. You know, you, you, you really just fall into it. You're trying to fit in with that old money. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's true. A lot of pastels in that town, too. Yeah, I never got too pastel with it, but yeah. yeah. Do you have a pink shirt? I never had a pink shirt. Did you have an orange one? I might have had an orange one. Light blue? For sure a light blue. Okay. But never a pink. I never would do that. But I had some, you know, but then when I quit drinking, I went kind of the other way. I went 
total, I went like full on hipster, like not a hipster, like super weird, but like black jeans, black t-shirt kind of thing. And that's how I found my real comedy stage look. Yeah. Well, that was kind of you though. You felt comfortable in that get up, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I've been encouraging you to cut your hair. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no way I can do it now, but I, I do think at some point I would like to because, you know, um, you know, all through my life, I've changed up my hairstyles a bunch. And that's been one of the things that I enjoyed the most is that you have hair, you can cut it, you can dye it, you can do whatever you want to it, and yeah. it just grows back out. Yeah, and I, I just hate to think of you, like, feeling, like, stuck in a look just because, you know... And it's not just because it's no so it's no small reason, you know, that it's yeah. your brand or whatever. But, you know, cut your hair. Well, I like the look. Uh, this is the my favorite look that I've ever had for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, I, I posted a, a stand up video on Reddit after not being there for a while. I've kind of phased out of Reddit. I was really into it for a minute, but I'm. I'm oh, that kinda, was short lived. Yeah. But the. Um, uh, somebody posted a picture of me, my making that fudge album. And it was me with short hair and they go, this is what he used to look like before he created this stupid character. Right. Meaning the stupid character is how I look now. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, that person is like trying to pretend like they know me. Like they're like, yeah, he used to be like this, but I'm like, I used to look like a lot of things before I looked like making that fudge album. I was completely clean shaven and I had slick back hair. That's how I looked when you met me before I, before I had that, I had a real kind of bowl cut with some square glasses and no beard. I mean, before that I had a shaved head before that I had long hair again before that I had uh, bleach blonde hair. Yeah. It's I mean, almost as if we all look different when we were younger. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do like kind of the making that fudge look. Yeah. Um, I it's think, real clean looking, real yeah. cleaned up. And uh, I think that's what I would go back to. But, you know, I initially started to grow the hair out again when I got back into comedy or, or when I quit my job and finally went full-time comedy because it was like, for the first time ever, it's like I didn't have to worry about what my hair looked like at all. Like even waiting tables, it's like there's this to a certain degree. It's like all right, you gotta you gotta be able to pull the hair back or whatever. You gotta look decent and selling pesticides. It was a professional job, even though I've you know I've dressed that job down every which way you can. I mean, it was still a professional job. I was in sales. Yeah, but then when you became your own business, the business of Dusty Slay Comedy, grow it out. Yeah grow it out but i just i don't even want you or care if you do cut your hair i just i just want you to be free because you're an american and i don't want you to feel trapped by any you know foreign entity whether that foreign entity is a alien or another country or your own head of hair yeah well yeah i mean i i don't know what the next move would be um but i have devoted many years to this look mm -hmm. so it'll be quite a change yeah uh, well, just something to think about. Something to think about. Yeah, even now I'm looking at a picture above your head of me, you, and Evan Burke. Yeah. Uh, and that is when I first started wearing the hat. Yeah. And it really... Uh, the hair's long. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a fun... I mean, I got videos of me on stage with my hair pulled back in a man bun. I mean, I was really trying to find that look for a while. Oh, I want just before to move on to whatever subject we have, I um, Tuesday I had a show at Zany's. I had another last night. I had another show. Grand old comedy show. Ben Marcotte out of Minneapolis. Uh, Nick Dean and Georgia Comstock out of Denver, Colorado. It's a great show. Sold out. I want to give, you know, just a shout out to all the people that came. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was very fun. I was super uh, pumped. I'm always pumped when it sells out. I mean, nowadays, and I'm very thankful for this, but nowadays my show, it's, it sells out or is almost sold out every time it's Zanies. But the last couple, it wasn't an official sellout. It was very close, but not an official sellout. So it's nice, you know, it's just nice to get that up on the marquee saying sold out. Sold out, baby. Yeah. Can't come in. Yeah. It feels good. 
because there was a time early on, because I've been doing this show since at least 2015, uh, you'd say, maybe 16. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was times where I was thinking about not doing it anymore because people weren't showing up. Yeah, it was a sad time. I remember when I tried to reach out to the Nashville scene, the local paper here, to try to get them to write uh, a, a write-up on my show because I was like just trying to get some press for it um, as I'm staring at a plaque on my floor that's uh, uh, the winner, the writer's choice winner for best comedian of 2019 by the Nashville scene. But in 2000. 16, I probably, I wrote the guy there an email and I said, Hey, you know, I'd love to get you out to the show. You know, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll buy your ticket. I'll buy you a couple of drinks, you know, just so it doesn't cost you anything to be here. And I'd love for you to just watch the show and write a review of it, you know? And the guy responded to me like, great. Another local comedian doing a showcase. That's what he wrote you. Yeah. So rude. It's a very unprofessional uh, paper. Yeah, they may have so rude. They may have changed uh, now, but for a long time they were very unprofessional uh, paper. Somehow and, it's less rude if you just don't respond. Yeah, it was so rude, and it was like because it, you know, in some aspects it was just another local comedian doing a showcase. Sure, but I was, you know, uh, trying to get, and that's what's funny now. It seems like the Nashville scene now really only cares about like local shows. Like I still don't know that they ever write anything about my shows. That's why in that Cody Jinks song, Hippies and Cowboys, uh, where he says, um, uh, I don't ask for no reviews on the songs that I sing. Uh, I just, I like that line so much because it's like, I have asked for reviews in in the past and, and, and you don't get them, but it's like, um, you know, well, they, they're they, very clear on what they like and what yes. they've already decided they don't like. But they, they, they love to really push like the local, like it feels like they really push, you know, comics just below me. Yeah. But yet when I was at that level, they were not pushing me. Right. And uh, have never been big supporters of mine. And it's yeah. too bad. I've always tried with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's too bad they champion people that are very rarely very good. Yeah, it's true. Or, or or just not really making much headway at all. Yeah. And they'll they'll make a big deal out of someone and they'll go, uh, oh, look at this. This is wonderful. This is happening. And then it's like. They I, like comedy that makes you think. <laughs> makes you think about something, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> like as opposed yeah. to make you laugh. It makes right. you think. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but it's that like. That was pretty thoughtful comedy. yeah. And it's like, they even put out, one time they wrote about the uh, Jay Leno and Jeff Foxworthy yeah. were doing a show at the Grand Old Opry, and they called them Renowned Hacks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, wow, Hacks, are you talking about two of the uh, most popular comedians in the world at one point? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it gets to a point where you're like, okay, you're for hipsters, but like, but even you're, you're, you're also just somewhat stupid too, right? Like you just, you don't even understand what you're writing, right? Like, like it's fine if you don't like those comics, but to call them hacks is just, it does not make sense. I'm too tired to articulate it, but it's just so silly. It's just like, really guys, who are you writing for? Yeah. I mean, five people? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, and then you get, and like, they have, what what the Nashville scene does really well is they have these magazines with really great covers. The covers look so good. You'll see them, and you'll go, oh, this is cool, because there was a time where the local rag in whatever city, when, when I was living in Charleston, it was the Charleston City paper. I mean, that paper was so great. I mean, I loved it. I just, I just, every Wednesday, a new free paper would come out. But the Nashville scene has a better looking paper than the Charleston scene or the Charleston city paper on the outside. But when you get on the inside, it's all ads. Yeah. It's all ads. The whole paper is ads. It's pro- that's probably only been like that though for the last like, you know, maybe 10 years, but maybe probably yeah. less than that even. But I, I, I remember trying to buy ads. I was going to buy an ad uh, for, my show, you know, because they would never write about it. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just buy an ad. And the ad was so out of this world expensive that I was like, oh, no, that doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. why I would buy that ad. Um, 
So that's when I got into Facebook ads. That's how I think a lot of these papers are, are really shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, maybe a lot of businesses, like huge businesses, just take out the ad because it's probably a tax write-off for them anyway. But I was just, I was blown away how much the ad cost. When when that Jay Leno and who was it, Jeff Oswald? Really? When I read that review, I, I just decided then there, okay, now I understand what this magazine yeah. is and it's uh, ridiculous. I mean, the Charleston City paper, when I lived there, I always wanted a cover, you know? They never gave me a cover. Several of my friends, comedians, got, got on the cover, but I never, I never got one. Yeah. It was real sad. You can't win them all. You can't. But hey, maybe if we put this whole video uh, podcast on YouTube, including Bible Talk, we'll finally win over the Nashville scene. <laughs> yeah, I that, bet. That'll be the thing that wins them over, I think. Yeah, I think so. But I did, you know, I did a thing, um, speaking of other local things, I did a kind of a thing for Grimey's the other day, uh, which is a record store in town. And I did, um, I, it's going to be some kind of podcast thing. It was very cool. I, I was very happy to be included on it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And when I recorded my album, Making That Fudge, speaking of that, in 2014, I took uh, 10 of my CDs to Grimey's and I asked them, would they put them in their store to try to sell? And they were so nice and they did it. They said, yeah, we'll put them in here. And then a year later, they called me and they go, hey, uh, will you come pick up those CDs? <laughs> <laughs> they go, in a full year, we've not sold any of them. And uh, so I went and got them. Wow, that's humbling, Dusty. Yeah, it is. That's humbling. Yeah. Well, that's what sometimes... You, you should you should share that anecdote to that troll on Reddit that said, this is what he looked like before he got a stupid character and be like, well, you know what? Oh, yeah. This is what I looked like when I wasn't selling CDs as well. Well, that that's interesting uh, because people will love to try to make fun of Larry the Cable Guy about his, his character. And it's like, you know... He was a successful, you know, at least touring comedian before he became Larry the Cable Guy. But when he became Larry the Cable Guy, I mean, he became a millionaire. Uh, and, and, and I watched a video of him the other day talking about getting the Pixar role uh, in Cars. He said initially that was supposed to be a small role. And they liked his character so much in that. And his character was just him being Larry the Cable Guy. But they liked his character so much that they went and rewrote it to, to make that a much bigger role for him. Yeah, man. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know. Um, but, but, you know, with the Making That Fudge album, I just, uh, uh, I know a, a decent amount of comics listen. And I just, I think sometimes, and I was like this, and this is why I, I, I share this, is like, I think sometimes people think when they put together a special or they put together a CD or an album and it's their first one, they just think that it's going to do major things for them. And I thought that. I mean, I recorded this album Video was harder back in 2014 than it is now. So I recorded this album. I was e I was emailing every radio station in the Southeast that I could find and the Midwest. I mean, I was just everywhere. I was looking for numbers, looking for emails, reaching out to people, doing everything I could do to get this album out there. I thought this album is gonna blow up for me because I'm like, it's so funny. And I do think it's so funny, but uh, essentially it did nothing for me. Um, and that's okay. I mean, it was, a, it was a benchmark, I guess that's the word, to get to uh, you know a new place. I, I had 55 minutes of jokes that I got to record and put on there. And some of them I kept doing for a while, but most of them I stopped doing. And then, you know, eventually I wasn't doing any of them anymore. And, uh, but they were all solidified on this album. I remember I reached out to Bob and Tom. I reached out to a lot of these places, John Boy and Billy. Um, what's the one in Alabama? There's one in Alabama that's a couple of guys. I can't remember their name. Bubba, Bubba and... Uh, Don't look at me, I'm from Canada. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe not Bubba, but it doesn't matter. And then uh, Bob and Tom. 
And Bob and Tom was the only one to reach out to me. I've since done John Boy and Billy several times. Uh, John Boy and Billy was the one that I, Rick and Bubba, uh, that's the one in Alabama now. But I grew up listening to John Boy and Billy. Uh, so it was fun <laughs> to go do that one. Uh, sorry. Uh, but uh, John Boy and Billy. But, uh, I sit there on some John Boy and Billy. <laughs> want to get me one of those little mini clients. What did you call them? Mini bottles? Oh, mini bottle, yeah. yeah give, give me two for one, one and two, or four for three. <laughs> yeah, pass me a cigarette, too. All right. And uh, so um, uh, Bob and Tom actually reached out to me, and they said, yeah, well, we'd love to have you on. And they, they sent me all this info about how many listeners they have and how much they love comics and how much they wanted me to do bits and this and that. And, you know, uh, now I've done... Bob and Tom several times since then, and they've been very nice to me. Um, but in 2014, I, I remember I put together a run. I um, I went up to Crackers in Indianapolis, which is where Bob and Tom is, and I did a guest spot at Crackers. Well, well, Bob and Tom's in Indianapolis, not at Crackers. I did a guest spot at Crackers to try to get me a feature weekend. That was a success. Uh, Josh Sneed was the headliner. I remember that. And, uh, I think that's fun. And then, um, and then I went on up to, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin to a place called, uh, Jokers that I've talked about many times and went and opened for Julie Scoggins. And then on my way back down South, I stopped in Indianapolis, spent the night on a Sunday night to get up very early and go do Bob and Tom. And I was very nervous about this. I had never done radio really at all. And, and Bob and Tom was such a big deal. And they, I don't know why they had me on. They had me on for like the full two hours. They barely talked to me. They made fun of me. I thought, they told me how many listeners they had. And I thought, you know, if I could just sell uh, an album to half the people that listen to this radio, this will be great. That'll be big money for me. Bless your heart. I know. And I, and I thought, if I could get some followers, I'd love to pick up some followers from this. And I don't think I picked up one single follower and I didn't sell one single album. At one point, I said, hey, yeah, I got this album because I thought that's what we were going to talk about. I said, like, you can buy that, you know, on iTunes or whatever. And, they, and one of the guys goes, yeah, if you want to. <laughs> and it's like they were so rude to me. Now, I, I you know, they've been very, been there several times since then. They were for the Nashville scene. <laughs> yeah. And they've been very nice to me. Um, but it's like. You know, that's just part of it. You know, you just get beat up a little bit yeah, along the way. It sounds like they invited you on just to make fun of you. Yeah. It's awful. And you just get beat up a little bit along the way, but you learn what to do. And, yeah. you, you know, and then you learn to handle the YouTube comments or you stop reading them. But, uh, and I do handle them pretty well, but I can't keep from commenting or bringing it up on my own personal podcast. Yeah. Or just shutting off the, uh, the thoughts about it at night. It's taking up <laughs> a lot of space in your head. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Uh, maybe it does, yeah. but uh, what else is there to think about, though? You know what I mean. Mm. Um, so you had a couple of things, right, Hannah? All right. Well, what do you do? You want to do the the biblical thing, or do you want to talk about? Um, my... Well, let's do them both, but let's do the Reddit thing first. Okay. Well, it's just a thing. I, I don't even know if you like it. It's just something I thought of that maybe you could be. Okay. So this is this is the question: What are some red flags that someone is financially irresponsible? And then uh, there were some answers, but I didn't know if, if maybe you added some answers for that. Well, I just think that's, um, you know, that I think that question's too broad in the sense that it's like, how well do you know this person? Is this person someone you know well, really well? What would well? trigger you? What Like if you were just, if you were just meeting someone, let's just say a guy, or if you were dating someone, like what would be like, ooh, like, okay, you seem, uh, that doesn't seem like good quality. Uh, well, uh, I think if somebody is, um, do you want me to just list some? Yeah, list them? some out. All right. Upgrading their car that they couldn't afford to a nicer one because the monthly payment was lower. They had 18 months of payments left on their old car, seven years on the new one, but it's cheaper because they're saving $50 a month. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, well, absolutely. I mean, the car thing is, I think, the biggest problem in America today. Now, in a lot of ways, it's hard for people, and I understand, because it's like the used car market is not good. Uh, It's like used cars are very expensive. I mean, I had to, like... Uh, the Toyota place that we bought our cars from, they called so much about our Corolla. I had to finally call and go, hey, listen, I like buying cars there. And I said, the next time, whenever I'm ready to buy a car, this is where I'm going to come. But I don't want you calling me anymore asking me, do I want to sell the Corolla? When I'm ready to sell it, I'll sell it. It's like, that's how bad the used car market is. It's like the dealership is desperate for used cars. And so it's like, in a lot of ways, it's hard to not get in car debt. But yeah, I mean, buying a car like that, that's a sales tactic where they get you. They go, you go, you go down and look at a car and they go, man, you're going to have so many repairs on this. You might as well get a new car. It'll be cheaper to get a new car than it will be to keep fixing this. That's the lie because it chances are it won't be it does seem like we know a lot of people who you know have been paying off their car for years and then the second it's paid off they just want to get a new car instead of just driving around in a paid off car like why wouldn't you enjoy the freedom of not having a car payment because i think something is built into us now it's ingrained into us that you're just gonna have a car payment yeah you just you just that's just something you have as a car i've never had a car payment yeah, well, you you know, you've been blessed, you yeah. know, and it's like... You well, know, and I also didn't get my license till I was 30. Yeah. So I've only been driving for eight years. I mean, it can't be overlooked for certain things. Like when I was 16, I mean, it, you know, as much as I talk about growing up in a trailer park, and I most certainly did, um, you know, both of my parents were still in the picture. They're divorced, but they were still in the picture. And my dad bought me a car now granted he bought me a a ford bronco too that was breaking down all the time and then after that he gave me a full-size bronco that was breaking down all the time i love those cars they were super cool but they were breaking down all the time and then the final car that he gave me was a 1999 saturn four doors dark blue gray bumpers the world's most uncool car um but reliable so I didn't have a car payment for a long time either. I did end up finding myself in some spots where I had a Dodge Avenger that I had brutally mangled to pieces. I flooded it. I threw up in it. I wrecked it several times. That car was falling apart and I still owed on it for like two or three years. So I traded it in on another car carrying over a negative equity. So I got into the new car owing more than what I even bought it for. I mean, it was like, it was, I was so upside down in it. Yeah. I bet that's pretty common. Yeah. I sold that car to someone and had to pay a few thousand dollars to pay the car off. So I sold it and made no money. It still cost me money to pay the car off, but it was, the most beautiful day in the world because I was living downtown. I was working downtown. I had no car, but finally no car payment, no insurance payment. And it was beautiful. I spent two years of my life with no car, saving money to buy my next car cash. Yeah. And America kind of makes you have a car. I mean, this is a car centric country. It's incredible. Like I think Americans just assume that this is what it's like everywhere else in the world, but it's not. You know, I easily lived without a a license until I was 31, I think. Yeah. And, you know, there was times where, yeah, it obviously would have been better if I had a car, but I don't know. Um, Okay, another example. um, Thinking sales as, look at how much I'm saving instead of actually look at how much I'm spending, especially if the items purchased are unnecessary. I think that that's like very um, something that women do where like the online shop will go to a store and be like, I got it for 40% off. Yeah, but you still spent this money and you shop like this every week. So you're still just spending money on clothes and crap. Like even though you think you're just saving the money, you're you're just spending money. Well, that is true. But to me, I don't know if that is a red flag that someone's financially irresponsible because I'm like, how much money do you have? I mean, if you're if you're like broke. Yeah. And you're doing that, then I would say that. But if you got money, it's like, yeah, go buy it. I think the presumption is that, like on this thread, is that you're spending money you don't have. 
Yeah. So if you're doing these things, you're financially irresponsible because you're spending yeah. this kind of money that you shouldn't be spending. I just think, yeah, I think that question's too broad because it's like, there are a million things. Yeah, because be, it could be a sign you're financially irresponsible or it could be a sign that you're rich. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a million things that could be a red flag to being financially yeah. irresponsible. Like if you don't have money and you're going out to eat every day. That's you, what one was, was, yeah. was somebody that Uber eats everything. Yeah. I mean, Uber eats is ridiculous anyway way yeah i mean i uber eat some when i'm in hotels in other places but even then i have some gift cards that it's not even my money to be spent it's just gift cards that i've still not used all of um and i'm at hotels all the time where i'm not even near a restaurant the uber eat the mainly i just don't trust people i don't it used to be it felt like when you when a restaurant had a delivery service it felt like you you could trust them, right? You trust the Papa John's guy to not be messing around with your pizza. But now with these Uber Eats things, it's just some guy or some girl is going to the restaurant and picking up your food for you. I don't trust them. Mm. No, I'm with you. Plus, your wife's cooking is just so good. Well, that's true, too. When I'm home, we don't eat out a lot at all because you are a great cook. That's right. That's what you're supposed to say. Um, well, I wouldn't say it if it weren't. Well, I don't know. Maybe I would, but you are a good cook, though. Thanks. Okay, this is another one that I thought was kind of funny. Um, talk of financially um, irresponsible. They they talk about deserving things like a vacation or a new car. Deserves got nothing to do with it. Is your debt paid off, and do you have the cash for it? I deserve all kinds of nice stuff, but that doesn't mean I have the money for it. Well, vacation is uh, one of the most ridiculous things to me. When, I mean, it's like in my 20s, I mean, I've talked to you about this. It's like I lived in Charleston and I'm from Alabama. All of my vacation time, all my Christmas break, all of those things, every time I got that, I drove home to see my family. And I wasn't like, I'm not like some crazy, like, I'm not like, I got to see my family. I got to see my family. But it just felt like to me during that time that I have this time off and I'm not going to visit my family, you know? Um, I just think vacation is just, especially if you don't have money, is so overrated. I know some people in my family that were, you know, living with other people. They barely made any money. They had kids. They had all kinds of things to t take care of, yet they're going to the beach. They're renting a hotel. They're, they're spending time down at the beach. It's like no one necessarily deserves vacation. Vacation is a privilege for, um, you know, people that have money or people that have saved money to do something. It's like, you know, you got kids and stuff and you're like, you want to take your kids to do something fun. You want to take them to Disney world or you want to take them to six flags. It's like, that's one thing. But I mean, I, I just feel like people just feeling like they just deserve a vacation. Everybody deserves a rest, but a lot of vacations aren't even restful. Yeah. I think people can do that in small ways too. Like, Oh, I deserve a, a weekend bender. Yeah. You know, where I spend way too much money at the bar or, you know, well, the, stuff like that. I used to do that all the time. And I think a lot of people do it. It's kind of a, a common joke, but it's like when you wait tables and it's like, if you have a great night where you make a lot of money, you're like, let's go get drunk. Yeah. And then if you have a terrible night where you don't make any money, you're like, let's just go get drunk, man. Yeah. You know, it's like, no matter what, you're like, let's go get drunk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. All right. That's fun. That okay. was a fun one. What? What's your? What's the other one that you have? Okay. So I have been. Okay. So I'm reading a book that Dusty ordered for himself, um, but obviously I'm reading it. Because I got into a bit of not a TikTok debate, but I was I got into talking to some people about TikTok about holidays and Christians, and they recommended that I read this book. Okay. So it's about Native Americans here in uh, the U.S. Um, and it's, so this is this, I'm just going to read the source material. It was written by a man. Well, what's the title of it? Right. I'm about to say okay. chief Joseph river wind. That's the author. And it's called, um, that's what the old ones say. And, um, he's seemingly what I'm gathering, uh, a Christian who's also a native American and how he kind of 
coalesces those those two beliefs and and he believes they're they're actually the same thing and he cites um different bible stories that also are very similar to old um native american stories or myths maybe that we might call them myths but stories that have been passed down by native americans all right so this is um this is one little little piece here let me see if how long it is and one of the things that that people were talking about celebrating christmas and is christmas you know, pagan or Christian, and, and, and we got into talking about it, and then somebody asked a question about Thanksgiving, and I said, I think Thanksgiving is okay because I don't think there's anything pagan about it, and uh, I don't think there's anything necessarily religious about it. And a person said that they believe that the original Thanksgiving celebrations was basically celebrating Sukkot or the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, which is a biblical feast, and they believe the original Thanksgiving type things were those type celebrations. Mm. All right, so shall I read this? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. The details of this ancient flood story go far beyond the realm of coincidence. The Choctaw Native American accounts that have been passed down orally by the Choctaw storytellers also tell us another story that bears great similarities with the Bible. They say that there was once a time when the earth was one solid land mass. The land looked like a turtle's back as it was rising out of the ocean. It is because of this story that many Native Americans still call the North American continent Turtle Island. It is passed down that all of humanity was one tribe of people living on Turtle Island. We all spoke the same language until the people decided they wanted to be able to ascend into the sky world in order to meet with the creator. The people set about building a large sky tower that would reach past the stars and into the heavenly realm. The creator saw what the people were doing and became very upset. So he promptly destroyed the sky tower that the people were building. Then the creator grabbed the land and spread it apart, separating many of the people. It was then that the creator gave people different languages so that they would not come together again in an attempt to rebuild the sky tower. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I, I was aware of Turtle Island. I had heard of that. But the, um, yeah, I mean, that's um, obviously the Tower of Babel. That's Pangea. Uh, all things that, that people believe. Um, you know, and they have flood accounts. All sorts of, of cultures all around the world have their own accounts of the flood. Um, you know, as if a flood happened and these people got spread apart and their languages got changed. So the names became different. Well, I have the flood account here from his, I guess, tribe. But it's just like a little longer of a story. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, the Native American stuff like that is really great. I feel like we, <clears throat> they never really give us, um, you know, we never really hear true stuff about Native Americans. You really have to dig for it, you know. Yeah, I think they have lots of accounts of giants. Uh, they said there was a, a tribe of redheaded giants that lived in North America. That's what Native American people say. Yeah, I think like there's no way around the fact that Native Americans have been just treated, been treated brutally. And then and, and just there's no other word but genocide off the no question off the continent. So it's not that they're not telling us the truth. I mean, we know. That, that, yeah. that there's just I don't god mean, awful atrocities but if do you mean like we don't know like i don't mean that the, the native american beliefs i don't mean the native americans aren't telling us the truth okay. i mean we're not being told the truth about native americans oh okay yeah 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 i mean i think so uh you know back in the day before i was you know reconnected to my christian beliefs you know i would always hear these arguments that um, there are similar stories of floods and uh, the Tower of Babel and different myths that are very similar to the Christian story of, you know, the, the sun coming again and then dying and this and that. And that they would use this as proof that the Bible is not true because it's just a repeated story, you know, told again. But to me, 
I feel like that that's what lends um, the biblical story and, and um, you know, the flood and all the various stories in the Bible, the, the most truth, the fact that there is, there are these um, uh, truths and stories that run through all civilizations that have been passed down orally from different, um, you know, communities of people through time. And to me, that makes it more true because it, it tells me that this thing, these things have happened and they've been told and, you know, things are changed here and there because I mean, it was a long time ago when these things happened, but it really lends to the air of believability. Not the, not the fact that it's just a repeated story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many things like that. And, you know, there also is, um, you know, people will say, oh, your, your, your God was born on December 25th, huh? So was all these other pagan gods. Right, right? yeah. And it's like, that's, that's an important thing to me on why I think we, we, we should not, you know, uh, play into the December 25th thing because most biblical scholars actually will say that Jesus was probably born in September or something like that and not December 25th. And most people agree to that. I don't even think there's any question about it, but we, we continue to celebrate it there because it is kind of a pagan thing. It's the, you know, that time of year is the uh, winter solstice, the darkest day of the year, you know? Mm -hmm. So good stuff. Yeah, I think it's great. This is great. But yeah, I mean, um, but I, but I, I say that to say that, yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying that the more a story is told, yeah. the more it seems true. Like maybe some of the stuff doesn't line up because as store, like there's that video that went around for a while where people were standing in a line and the first person had to whisper something into the person in front of them's ear and then that person whispered that into the person in front of them and by the time you made it all the way to the first person it had already changed so much yeah. just in that short amount of time um so stories will change but i think that you know they can go back to original text uh, uh and they find these dead sea scrolls and things like this and they go wow this really matches up with what we've had all this time yeah Absolutely. It's amazing stuff. Well, this was great. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I have a video on YouTube that's uh, almost made it to a million views. I say almost. I'm about 100,000 away, but uh, 150,000 away, but that's pretty close. So share it with a friend. Uh, just help me make it there. And if once we make it to a million, I'll never ask anything out of you on this particular video again. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. We're having a good time.